Hi, I'm Garrett, and welcome to The Conversation. I think conversation is one of the most important tools we have for building and maintaining genuine relationships. In the age of the internet and social media, the conversation is a dying art. While we're technically more connected than ever, it seems more difficult than ever to engage with alternative perspectives in a meaningful way. We talk past each other and speak totally different languages without even knowing it. This show is my attempt at working on that problem. I'm trying to learn how to have meaningful conversation and practice what I learn. It's partly an experiment. Maybe if I start having more difficult conversations, I can get better at it. Maybe we can all get better at it. I don't know how this experiment's going to turn out, but hey, this could be interesting. All ready for a nice conversation. I got my, uh, my what's it, my Taste Nirvana coconut water. Taste Nirvana. Sounds yeah, I've definitely become like a, a little bit. Sell. Well, <laughs> sounds a little bit dangerous for a Christian to be playing with, <laughs> yeah. you know. Nirvana, know. that's. It's universalist crap going Yikes. on right now. Ah, oh, man, that's a little progressive, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I wish I don't, is that, I mean, what, what's kind of the vibe of the church? You're, you're at right now is is there is there a pretty like I, I notice even just kind of pick up on the little subtle linguistic references there's there's still a, 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 the the general sense of like Protestant uh, evangelical like I don't know there's, there's a lot a lot of the language that I gr- grew up with but right it's I don't know, I, I see a lot of the communities that were teaching and talking that way and I don't exactly know what that way is but sure. like I see a lot of, of those communities dissolving or like, or, or getting like extremely, uh, I don't know, extremely woke. <laughs> it's like e- either right. they just fizzle it's out or, the or they go, exactly. So I, I'm interested to like, where are you guys at? Yeah, we are. So we are uh, Assemblies of God Church. We're very Pentecostal, evangelical, charismatic, yeah. all that, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, but we also are in uh, a very conservative area. Like we're, we're super suburb, uh, you know, you can drive 10 miles into the city, but you can also drive 10 miles in any other direction and get farms. Uh, so it's, we have this kind of bizarre mix. I'd say uh, I'm very familiar with the trend you're talking about. And I'd say we're straight down the middle. Like when, when, <laughs> when, that's, when, that's quite a feat actually at this point. Yeah. Yeah. that We have quite like when everything masks, I feel like masks was this like perfect opportunity to just see kind of where people stood <laughs> on that side of things. <laughs> we had like literally icon of which group are you? Are exactly. You there? Right. We had half of the people that would show up uh, or uh, yeah, show up and take their mask off as soon as they had the opportunity to. Right. So very much yeah. as soon as they're allowed, yeah. background. Right. And then the other half was either just not in the building at all or uh, being pretty careful with masks, watching online, all that kind of stuff. So I'd say we're pretty split down the middle. And our leadership is pretty, um, uh, I'd say they're really good at, at, at making sure everybody feels comfortable and making sure that they all know that, you know, all the stuff that we'd be arguing about, that kind of thing is way less important than all the other reasons we're getting together right now. So that's, that's great. Is it, is it a, <laughs> like, I mean, you you could do that. You could sort of brush away the arguments and say these just aren't important. Sure. Or you can. I mean, how how do you sort of counter that? You guys kind of are, are focusing 
is is it like the center is just Jesus? It's not even the full Bible. It's just Jesus because that was even part of part of the strategy of of a, of a church I was attending for a little while. But that's kind of the, the Anabaptist strategy of like you know we unify in Jesus, which is ends right. up being this sort of mystical centering figure where it's like, well, what do you mean by Jesus? And what are you talking about when you say, right. well, sure. just the word at least. <laughs> right. Yeah. The it's, I'm, I'm reading, I'm in the middle of this book right now. Uh, uh, I think it's called Christ and culture. I, I'm totally blanking on the guy who wrote it, but it deals with a lot of these questions of like uh, the author talks about the biggest problem of the, of the Christian faith sense that has been born is how you deal with the paradox, the problem of being living you know, by the stands of Christ and also living in the culture that we're in right now. And like there have been widely different strategies taken by many different Christians with some good and some bad effects on how we actually make that connection, how we actually make that deal. And and, I mean, different denominations, different churches are going to decide on different points, uh, like where you draw this compromise and everything. But I I think uh, for us, at least at our church, it's really been a case by case sort of thing. Cause I think like when, so one, I remember one of the proudest moments I had at being in my church, uh, this is a horrible sentence now sounding, but immediately after the whole George Floyd thing, right. right. Uh, when all that was going down uh, and there were a bunch of protests that happened um, everywhere, but including Grand Rapids and in Grand Rapids, they turned into riots we got fires, people were breaking stuff, Jeez. businesses, all that kind of stuff. Right. You know, all the stuff we saw in the news that was here. Uh, and our pastor got up like the next day uh, in front of everybody and was like, listen, they're the reason they, they are protesting, the reason that is absolutely justified. What happened is unconsciousable and it happens every day. And we need to address that and be clear about that. But also... We can't burn the city to the ground, right? <laughs> like, like somehow, uh, although it seems impossible in this country, my pastor was able to have a nuanced opinion about something and where there's a little bit of good, a little bit of bad on both sides of the field. Yeah. And people generally understood where he was People responded from. well and to I, that. People responded well. So I wouldn't say, I, I'd say I'm proud, for the most part, I'm proud to say that I've met a church that doesn't seem to be just taking sides. It seems to be, for the most part, thinking through those sorts of things. But also there's something to be said for, uh, you know, we have people on both sides. So we need to make sure that those opinions are represented all right. throughout. Right. Well, and it's so like, you can take the you, cynical you, you, there's too, no way of, I mean, way. if you kind of throw all the pressure on your pastor as being, you know, the central figure of like the, or the mouthpiece of the entire community, I think that's sure. I don't know. And, and this is where you can kind of start to just dig into general church model not yeah. necessarily problems, but just like things that happen when you try different church models. And, and I, I, that's kind of even what the reason I thought, okay, th- I need to talk to Caleb about this because you're, I mean, you're in, you're in deeper in this conversation as far as what you're doing sort of professionally and Definitely. just like personally than a lot of people I know. And it's like, it's a really strange and kind of interesting moment thinking about where, <laughs> what's happening with church right. and where it's going. Cause I mean, partially, I think, especially with it being sort of linked to media culture and, and like even the the thing that keeps coming, coming to my mind is that church is sort of following whatever is happening on Patreon or OnlyFans or whatever. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) No, I hear you. I hear you. 
Yeah, I, I do think just generally speaking that the, the next great, I think it's an overused word, but revival of the church, uh, the 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 church at large will come when we stop underestimating the tools that technology gives us in the form of internet, mm-hmm. media, marketing, whatever. So, so you're I fundamentally do, I, techno, a techno optimist, a spiritual techno optimist. I, I <laughs> one million percent are. I, I am. I, I think that certainly there's there's issues with the system, but uh, I think that there's like. The, the way I've said it before is that I don't like to spend a lot of time on Facebook personally, right? I find it to be a terribly depressing place where all of my relatives argue with strangers about politics <laughs> and uh, where just news article after news article of just awful things and everybody yelling at each other, whatever, right? I'd rather it, I'd rather not spend time there. And at the same time, I'm really glad that that's not the perspective that missionaries have when they think about countries, right? Like there's a mission field there. There absolutely is. And our neighbor includes people that we're friends with on Facebook and Instagram or whatever else. Uh, But we're not really, as as I would say, generally as a capital C church, we haven't really made that connection yet, right? Uh, Capital C So you're like meaning... Like I guess other global, than that, some people right. say, okay, yeah. the church Catholic. <laughs> sure. When I when I say Catholic, I'm thinking like the globe. I've had right. a lot yeah. of conversations with a lot of churches around the world in this yeah. past year. And the general perspective I get is that the internet is still something to be largely like, like you have to be on there, but it's like a compromise. It's like I'm there just so people yeah. know I'm here. <laughs> like there's, I'm just putting enough out there so that when people Google, they'll right. find me. After I scroll through a couple pages, but and it's that's supposed to be like sort of a bouncing much... tool, like to like okay, then right. go get to know me in real life. It's, it's it, a means to an end, right? It's is, not a. It, that's a. It's difficult to do because it seems like the tool itself, like what Facebook is sort of set out to do, is fundamentally different than at least what like what these guys are talking about that what they want to use it for. And I mean, my personal perspective on it is is right. pretty similar. Like it's you're using a tool that's designed for something very not what you want to use it for and i mean how do you how do you do that in a way that doesn't kind of backfire on you i don't i don't really understand that i mean like i i I think i if i if i dig deep enough i might be techno optimistic as well but on the surface right now i'm struggling with a lot of techno depressionism (laughs) where i'm (laughs) like i hear shit we are i don't i don't know what's gonna happen i as far as seeing how it's affecting churches and communities in general that's really scary and as far as seeing how it's affecting like people on a personal level is is very most well, definitely I, I don't want to just get stuck in in this mindset of like fear about the future but i, I th- this is sure. a problem that i'm really interested in in trying to like tease out a little bit right so the i i have been you know especially over the past year with everything in covid but even well before that me and the other people that I've been doing ministry with as Black Bar, big old sign behind me, media ministry that we have. I've been talking about what a, uh, like, what a, what could a digital church actually look like, right? And w- when we think digital church, the first thing you probably think about is like, like a live stream, like what everybody was doing last right. year. And I, and I like, that's not a bad place to start necessarily, um, to, to be able to, 
people see your service online and everything. But I think if, if the goal is actually to make an impact with an entirely digital audience, you have to speak an entirely digital language. And I think to, to a large extent, churches have been just kind of happy with taking what they were already doing and just slapping it online and expecting people to come flocking. But in reality, the, the online space, it's, it's an entirely different culture. It's an entirely different language in a lot of ways. Uh, it's, it's, it's a whole different set of needs in, in, in some ways. Uh, and churches have not yet started to make that transition. So I think one of the ways that I think about it, like, what what we talk about a techno optimist when it comes from the church perspective of some, I love that phrase the 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 opportunities right so in addition to just being a, a media guy I I'm a marketing dude right which means underneath the skin is lizard scales right? <laughs> I'm just a soulless marketing executive. Um, so I, I I have to know, you know, I'm the guy paying Facebook for access to your social security number. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? And and I have dug deep into the kind of tools that Facebook gives me access to, right? And the the targeting tools and marketing and everything right. like that. Which I've so, tried to mess with that interface and it is complicated. It's 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 not as easy as it should be. But so I think it's not a, a controversial statement to say that like we don't communicate the gospel to every person the same way, right? So if I was talking to like a six-year-old about Jesus, I would use different words. I would use different analogies. I might tell different stories. I might highlight different parts of the gospel to make it stick and make it important to them than I would for like a 40-year-old dude that lives in a different part of the country or something like that. I would, I, if I knew about it beforehand, I might dress differently. I might like prepare differently, but we, I think it's relatively uncontroversial to say that we use different techniques to communicate the truth sure, to sure. different people. Right. And I think churches know that too, because I've yet to go to a church that doesn't have at least a kid's ministry and youth ministry, maybe a men's ministry, women's sure. ministry, anything like that. There's value in contextualizing the gospel to certain groups of people. Uh, I think what's really interesting when we get online is that I like, I, I don't, I'm not a part of a Facebook group. That's just men, right? That's not, I mean, maybe those exist where you just have a million people in a group. That's only guys, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm in Facebook groups about church media marketing. I'm in Facebook groups about, uh, my World of Warcraft addiction or whatever else. It's like this, <laughs> these very specific niches, right? Where where it's the, these hyper-contextualized conversations on little tiny things that we're into, right? Yeah. And what Facebook advertising allows us to do is talk to those really specific, and when I say Facebook, Facebook and Instagram and all the other social media sites have very similar systems. Talk to these super hyper-specific people with these hyper-specific interests with a hyper-contextualized version of the gospel and deliver it straight to them in a language that only they can understand. It doesn't matter if anybody else understands, right? If they can understand it, if they can get it, okay. if I can get it across to that group of people, that, I mean, I, I feel like we could change the world. It, uh, so as soon as you start break, talking this way, this kind of, like, I, I can see the romantic side of this idea. Right. But then I think about, most of the targeted ads that I've seen have just like the, especially the, the the more uncanny 
it is about how it like meets exactly me and like my where <laughs> sure, I'm at. The sure. more I'm like just creeped out and like, no, <laughs> what? What's, why do you know this much about me? <laughs> that's that's totally fair. There's actually if you can you can look up. Uh, if, by the way, for anybody listening, if you do a little bit of googling, you can find out exactly everything Facebook knows about you. There's a page in the about section. So, it, like your name, your marital status, where you live, if you live away from your hometown, if your parents have an anniversary coming up, like it knows wow. all of that stuff, and it's spooky what what it has access to. But I, I think you're right. I think to a certain extent, there's there's a uh, a privacy concern wave that's coming on. But I would right. also say, generally speaking, uh, that uh, most people are not as privacy concerned as you and I might be. Uh, generally speaking, the more tech savvy you are, the more concerned you are about that sort of thing. And but, well, I, I think that doesn't they, seem to be priority for, at least in my country. I, I, I think, I think you're right on that. And I think that you can, you can mm-hmm. probably try to walk the line in the in the uncanny sure. value and try to make sure you find that level of like what people are comfortable with, but I don't think right. that's my. Re- I mean, that that's just the, kind of the surface level thing that jumps out at me right sure. away. But sure, sure, sure. The I think the other side of it is just that I, I think being advertised. I don't know. I mean, this just goes back into the into a really general philosophy of, of advertising. It's like right now, it's like sure. most of our our online business models revolve around ads and the only other option is is the patreon model basically right a subscription based model and that's basically you Mm -hmm. see there's a hard line between everybody's either doing one or the other or they're kind of doing both like youtube right now is really experimenting with just okay either you do the subscription and you get rid of all the ads because we know they're super annoying or we double down and we're going to put 50 ads in each two minute video you watch Yes, and that's been, yeah, yeah. I've had I've had YouTube red so long, I just can't take. It. I know. I was like, I, I keep on feeling like, okay, they're pushing harder. They're they're, they're going to get me to do this someday, yeah. but I'm not going to do yeah. it. Am I going to do it? I'm probably going to do it. I hate it, you, YouTube. Uh, I, I, the amount of YouTube that I watch every month, however much I'm paying, I don't even remember. It's worth it. That amount of time is worth it to me. Not to sit those to, stupid yeah. ads. I, well, yeah, so I'm saying, so when you when you do. I, I don't know. I, I'm trying to think about ads because I've had this so, conversation a couple times with different friends where like, so, okay, if, if people have more information about me, they can advertise more relevant things to me or they can advertise things that maybe I don't want, but in a more relevant way so they sure. can manipulate me into thinking so, that I want them. <laughs> so let, so let, let's talk about this, this idea maybe through a different vehicle, right? So like, I, I think the, the general advertising perspective, that strategy is something that's very church focused and that like a church could reasonably pull it off. I'm sorry if you see my husky. No, you don't have to apologize for that. It's just like, it's just giving me like, I don't know, goosebumps of cuteness, I think. Right. (laughs) He is pretty awesome. Um, But I, I think probably the 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 highest chance of success with this sort of system is going to be a, a a personalized one and when i say personalized i mean the person doing the ministry is a person not an entity not a corporation right which is difficult because church is like something that they could do all together um so it's a little bit harder to sell but i have this wonderful example that um the, the ending doesn't isn't awesome, but the story up leading into that is pretty great. So <laughs> okay. last year, last year, 
uh, I got into a hobby, one of the probably dozen of hobbies that I got into every single year. Uh, but that this one was really weird, and I apologize in advance for how weird it is. Uh, but I really got into Nerf guns. That was something I was like That's super a good into. Hobby. I'm into that. I, I was I t- I bought Nerf guns and I would modify them to shoot like three times as hard and put holes in my drum. Right? <laughs> or I would three D print them. And it it was it was unhealthy. I I spent way more money than I should have <laughs> on children's toys over the course of a couple months. Right. That's well, great. it turns out that if you buy all these guns, eventually you want to like have like basically airsoft games with people, and those things exist, like right. Nerf games, but but paintball or whatever. And there's leagues all around the country of these people. Okay. Do this. So I found a group of people. It was this itty bitty little discord in West Michigan of this nerfers club that was trying to get started up. Right. And they wanted, they needed a couple things. I could tell right off the, well, first of all, they needed a location really badly. They didn't have anything to play. This was pre pandemic, I should say. Right. Uh, they didn't, they didn't have any, any, anywhere to go. Um, the second thing is someone designed their logo. I don't know who it was, but they could have maybe done a better job. Right. And I happen to be a graphic right. writer by trade. Right. So I got into this community of people of whom I shared a very common interest with, right? That happened to be Nerf guns, right? And what what I wasn't aware at the time and eventually put words to uh, was in a way that I identified an audience. It was a group of people. It's a weird subsect. There will never be a Nerf club ministry at a typical church, right? That we have men's ministry, women's ministry, Nerf ministry is not going to be a thing, right? right? But I am a Nerf guy, apparently now so i can i can, i can do nerf ministry <laughs> so i identified a group of people of which i had something really interesting in common with that right. brought us together right and i spent the next couple weeks uh, so first i identify the audience the second thing is identify with your audience i spent a couple weeks just talking shop just talking about the kind of springs that i put in my caliber talking about like how do you keep the grease from from messing up your air seal, right? And all this, just the conversations of just becoming a part of that community, right? A trusted member, right? All that kind of thing. And so I identified my audience, identified with my audience. And the third step, I identified what my audience needed. And in this case, it happened to be a location to shoot each other in and a new logo. Well, I'm a graphic designer. I made them a new logo. It probably took half an hour. And I also happen to work at a church with a massive recreational facility that, that isn't used several days of the week. And I talked to my leadership team and they were cool with us using it. And all of a sudden, I solved problems. They weren't spiritual problems, right? They were just practical problems that this, this group that I was in needed to solve, right? And then all of a sudden, I'm like, okay, I solved these problems. They, be, they put me as a chairman on their Nerf club, whatever the heck that's supposed to mean, right? I'm a chairman on this Nerf league that doesn't actually exist yet because we haven't played any games. <laughs> and I say, yeah, I've got this location. And all of a sudden, they, people start to realize, oh, it's a church, and now there's these interesting conversations happening right next to the what spring I'm putting in my caliber is the is it okay if I wear ripped jeans at church? It's all I have, right? Wow, uh, it's jeans. like right. It's it's the like uh, is there going to be is, is there going to be <laughs> is there going to be uh, language restrictions? Like, do I have to, is it okay to swear? Like, and all of a sudden we're having these micro conversations about 
church of people's last time they were in a church and all of a sudden, and all this door has been opened because I was just one of those people and I happened to be a Christian. I happened to be a church at a church or whatever, right? And it's just all of all this isn't a new concept. I'm just caring for my neighbor. We've just expanded what the definition of being a neighbor is. And I think really the problem of why the church hasn't begin to push out into digital spaces the way that I think that it really needs to be is because Christians individually haven't seen other individuals online as someone that they should be reaching out to, the people that they have connections with. Are you wondering, I mean, and obviously I'm not trying to get you to just sit there and just defend this new church model and I'm going to sit there and push back. I I hope this could be just kind of a shop brainstorming session and we can just talk about what's happening. But so, I mean, you... You're optimistic that are, are you, you kind of see the church as an institution moving in that direction and you think that's going to be sort of the most useful way to sort of engage culture with this, you know, this, this story, this, this tradition? I would love to say that that is what I think is going to happen. I think honestly what's going to happen is individuals are going to realize what kind of power they have sitting in their pocket. Uh, and they're going to make it happen. And about 10 years later, the church will recognize that that was a really good idea and then start figuring it out. But I think really, uh, you know, I, I hate I hate the, the, the definition of like a Christian influencer. I think it's a really shallow way to look at it. The definition that we've been using on our team is a, uh, uh, a digital missionary. It is like your goal, your ultimate goal is not just to influence people. It's to be a missionary for Christ. And it just happens that your mission field is some weird nerf discord group, right? <laughs> but right. training people to think that way and look for opportunities online. I think once we get people moving that direction is where the floodgates open. So I'm just trying to think about, so in order for me to, to start to process whether or not I, I'm kind of on the same page about whether or not I think this can even work. I, I need to sure. know more or even just kind of clear up the idea of what a missionary is or what they're supposed to do. Because I mean, sure. I, I, a lot of this stuff is just like, I'm, I'm kind of at a place where I'm in between, uh, I don't know, congregations. I, I'm not plugged into it, into, into a church community sure. right now. And it's, yeah. and, and I'm really hoping to, to figure out how to do that again. It, it, it was kind of like my wife and I got, we got married and we were like just kind of shopping around trying to get connected to a different community. And then COVID happened and it was like, okay, well, I don't know what's happening right. now. And so now we've just had this year to just kind of rethink, you know, where are we at and what's, how do we want to engage with, with, with this faith of ours? Right. Um, and so, I mean, a lot of these definitions about like missionaries and stuff, like, I mean, I've seen, now I'm kind of stepping back a little bit and looking at different, different communities models for how that's supposed to work. Like, and so I, I'm not exactly sure, like, is a missionary somebody who goes, I mean, I, I have friends, I have family members who have who've done the sort of traditional uh, evangelical, like, I'm going to go out into the world, I'm going to go into, it's got to be a country that is not this one, right. and I'm going right. to go and be a missionary there, because, you know, the Bible says go out into all the world, and that means sure. not this country, and so I'm going to go do some traveling. <laughs> Right <laughs> for for some reason that's part of it. And I, sorry, I, I'm sounding yeah. kind of cynical and and 
you're just going to have to forgive me for some of my cynicism. It's 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 no. I, it's probably just part of the process of, of working through <laughs> where I'm at. But I, 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 I one million percent understand and share your cynicism with the <laughs> Okay. Yeah. So maybe we both need help here, or may, maybe yeah. it's just a crappy <laughs> crappy model. But I mean, so I, I've seen a lot of people kind of acting out this really simplistic version of what it means to be a missionary, where you just sort of go out and then, well, what do you do? You like do street ministry where you like te- you sure. you do music and then you do an altar call and then people get saved and then now oh, now their sure. lives are changed because they got saved or or you i don't know it, it, it's it's very event focused and stuff like that and and one of the things yeah. that i've been kind of thinking about is i I think there might be a place. I think there probably is a place for that. I don't want to just throw the baby out with the bathwater there. I think that sure. there's, there is a place for doing sort of spiritual events where you get people sort of, uh, you, you do your best to try to create a, a sort of mountaintop moment where people have this sense of, of seeing a, a little bit of the big picture and being like, oh, okay, there is something bigger that I could strive for. But that's like, right. I, I think that needs to be a bit more more marginal than what we've, kind of been doing sure. in especially in the protestant tradition it's like that that seems to be at the very center is like the the conversion moment and like going and right. getting people but like as far as actually like to me christianity is 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 mostly and i mean it's 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 a it's a philosophy it's a theology and it's i guess it's a philosophy so it's it's really just a, a pattern of life it's a, it's a way of living i think right and you know how how do you how do you engage Christianity? How do you, how do you sort of spread the good news in a way that is not just like, you know, get people, you know, get people saved and right. <laughs> right. Like you can, you can have those moments where you have, you build up to a conversation and you can invite people to an event. But I think, I don't know. I, I'm just trying to think about what, what it is that a missionary does is, is a missionary, somebody who does the event thing, or is that somebody who sure. just builds connections with people and then in in that case, maybe every Christian is a missionary or I don't know. Right. Where, where do you land on well, that? I, I, personally, I think that we might've done ourselves a disservice by intentionally or not turning missionary into a profession, right? Like I am a missionary. That is what I do. That is what I'm going to do when I, you know, go to Nepal or whatever and climb mountains for the next year and talk to people. I think it's, it's like, you know, their job, the, those peoples that are going, their job is to reach people with the gospel, right? So I'm going to happily donate to my church's missions fund so I can make sure that they can continue to, to reach people. Um, and yeah, I'm sure to a large extent that it is going to be the, 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 you know, so I know at least, how do I put this? I know at least I spent pretty much my entire life in the Assemblies of God. It's a it's a right. specific Pentecostal denomination. Uh, I owe most of my career to the Assemblies in, in a lot of different ways. Uh, but I think um, I, I've, I, I know a lot of missionaries that went through their system. And they have a very strict system. You, like if you're, if you're going to be a Assemblies of God missionary, you can't have a certain amount of student loans. Uh, you, you have to have like, a, like wow, okay. a certain amount of education and this sort of thing. There's classes you have to go through. Uh, you have to get approved by boards. You have to itinerate at Assemblies of God yeah. churches. Like it's, there's, there's a huge system. And then you get over there and what they're looking for, what they want to hear back from you, these churches that are supporting you are conversion stories. 
right? That's what they want. And that's how, like slimy marketing brain, right? That's how you retain funding <laughs> is by getting the conversion stories, right? right? That That's what people want to hear. But I think in actuality, from the friends I know that are missionaries, 90% of their job over there or wherever they are is not like directly talking about Jesus with people. It's right. being a teacher and developing relationships and being a good friend and you know, and a maybe a, a quiet Christian influence in a place where that might not be as common as it should be, right? And those are all things that I think all of us, generally speaking, under the Great Commission should be doing, right? Like, we don't have to go through all these classes and, and like, Lord, I hope that there's no student loan requirement. <laughs> you know. Uh, so, but, so then what should differentiate people sort of doing it? I mean, so you're questioning whether or not it should even be a profession? Yeah, I like, I think, I think by the fact that we've called it like, oh, I am a missionary that and that is something I do. Christian. That, that there's, that we've drawn this line of there's people that evangelize for a living and then there's everybody else. And our job is to just support the people who are evangelized right. for a living. And that's my So that way they can go and make converts. To the Great Commission. Exactly. <laughs> right. Like as if that now Great Commission check, I'm set to go. <laughs> I can go back to doing the rest of my life. Right. right. Say, uh, I, I don't know. I don't know. I think, I don't think it's unfair to say that that's maybe not the best model and maybe not the best use of our time and resources. Um, and, and I don't know. I feel like we could be doing more. And I think personally, this, you know, the yeah, uh, just throw out ideas, the, man. The electronic positive person that I am, or whatever the heck <laughs> yeah, tech, phrase you use. Techno, techno optimism. I think that the easiest door for us to do that in is the one that we can. <laughs> are, are you do. techno positive? <laughs> <laughs> I get tested. Is <laughs> the one that I can do without wearing pants in my basement, right? You know, I like. I've never met any of those nerfers before. Right. They, nerfers is a title. Uh, <laughs> I've never met any of them. I, I still don't know what any of them look like, but right. we were able to have some interesting conversation about Jesus as a result. And I didn't have to go stand on a box at a street corner and scream at strangers. Right. right. I don't know. It seems like an easy option to me. Okay. I, I think that's, that, that gives, that actually unlocks a little bit of, of optimism for me about, about, sort of Christianity in the techno environment I, or, or technological sure. environment, techno environment. I, I, the, the problem is like that, that, that is a used pre prefix. Yeah, but, but it, yeah. I always just think about techno music or at least I think right, about right. whenever, obviously growing up in the circles that we grew up, if you are into any sort of electronic music, all of the old people just thought, oh, that's techno, right? Techno. Right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like listening to techno, Skrillex whatever. and say, oh, it's that's not techno, real right? It's techno. Yeah. <laughs> okay, sorry. I, I was trying to say that that does actually help me to think a little bit, okay, maybe it is possible to, to, to the extent that it's possible to build meaningful relationships online. And I think that, sure. that online relationships can be a meaningful thing. I don't think it quite, it, it's not comparable to what, what we have in person. Like there's, there's not the same amount of information, not the same amount of connection. And I... So I mean I I think that yes I would agree I, that it's different. I would definitely agree that it's different. Do you, so you would push back on that you don't think that it is inferior? I, I think it's currently inferior. I think that is a temporary problem. Okay. Personally. <laughs> I think that uh, that is temporary. 
I think the, at the rate the technology is moving, it's a temporary problem. So this is, I, I, I'm not, this is the thing, I'm, I'm totally unsure about this. I can't say that I, sure. I disagree with you. I, there, there's a yeah. part of me that sort of intuitively thinks, yeah, my intuition is that I don't think we're going to get there. I, I, don't, I don't know if that's wrong, though. Because part, part of the things I've been thinking about, like, so what's the difference between engaging with somebody in person versus you know, on the internet? Or, and I've been challenging myself on this a lot, too, just thinking, about, okay, so what's the difference between, why do I have this sort of slimy feeling when I spend too much time playing video games? You know, sure. like what, what's the difference between, I don't know, whatever's happening here and, and doing this in real life. And I think part of it is that there's sort of a branching structure of engagement that happens when you, when you're in person. And I think that happens online too, but let me kind of explain what I'm, what I mean by that. Cause sure. I know that's just kind of a weird, just vague no, term. That's not <laughs> saying anything specific, but like if I, if I'm, let's say I'm playing a team sport in real life, right? That, sure. that that's a game, right? I mean, that's just the same thing as a video game, Right. Right. Not exactly. There's there there's a different level of engagement More for one sweat thing. Involved. Right. There, there's sweat involved. So obviously there, there's an engagement of, of just moving your body and movement and and, sure. and that's I th- I think it's so that's just engaging more of you, more of your senses. And so it's an art that's not just not just hand eye coordination, it's right. listening, it's speaking. Well, I mean I, I guess that's online too, but it's 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 paying attention to uh, I mean, body language is one of the biggest things that's kind of identifiable because I think, I forget, psychologists, I don't know who's doing these studies. I I read recently in a smart smart book by a smart guy that... um, that more than 90% of, of communication in a conversation is nonverbal. Yes. Right? Yes. So a lot a lot Absolutely. of what we're doing when we're interacting with each other is not just text or even sound. It's it's intonation, which which we lose a bit of with the granularity of. I mean, we could just up the sound quality. Maybe we'll have, have more intonation. Sure. But sure. there's also, there's I don't know, there, there, there's, I, I think the... The attempt to say that we can actually replicate everything that's going on in a human interaction in person via our technology, that is kind of the scary mistake to me. I, I Do you hear think what that it's possible? Saying. I would bet it. I bet in probably the next 15, 20 that it'll be indecipherable. See, I, see that, so that's like, what it actually so. scares me, though, is because <laughs> the more indecipherable it is, the more your argument makes sense. But I have this sort of romantic, <laughs> right. this romantic sense sure. of that yeah. that we yeah, that there's this sort of mystery. Like I don't actually know all of the features that are of of engagement that are happening when I'm talking to you in person. And so the better sure. we get at sort of modeling that, the more we think the model is the real thing, rather than continuing to sure. study the real thing to see what else is there that we don't know is happening. I hear you, and I, I think it's fair to say that I don't want. Uh, nor do I think will. Uh, I don't. I don't think that the digital space and digital connection will entirely replace physical. I think that to a certain extent, uh, we will always need some sort of physical, like real IRL, you know, interaction with people. But so one story that I love to tell, and this is certainly like on the up, like the upfront, the fringe of technology, right? But I uh, bought into virtual reality a couple of years ago, okay. right? I bought headset right and i i bought the headset and, and it was amazing if i don't know if you've ever tried it before but it is incredible it's pretty cool uh, i i got it i have a, a very good friend of mine nick also on the black bar team he came over and tried it he put on the headset he had it on for like half an hour and then it was my turn and while i was in the headset he had bought his own headset on his phone. <laughs> <laughs> that quick 
Right. Exactly. It was that quick. So he goes home and he he sets up his headset, whatever. And I've got mine set up and we fire up an app called uh, Virtual Desktop, which whatever, it does some things, but it allows that him, he can sit on a couch and I can sit on the same couch and we can like watch movies and stuff in the same room. And I can see his head move. I can see his hand moves or whatever. And, and so we pop into this room and I look over to my left and he's sitting next to me and his mic isn't working for whatever reason. He hadn't set it up right. But even, you know, the face wasn't him. It was just a default avatar. Right. But with the movement of his head and the movement of his hands, I recognized that was Nick Mayo. I could tell just Mm. from the nonverbal, that's the way Nick moves his head. That's the way Nick moves his hands. That's Nick Mayo, right? And it's a tiny thing. It's a small thing. It's probably in 10 years, people are going to be laughing about like, in the same way that we're laughing at people 10 years ago is talking about graphics can never get better than the Ocarina of Time, right? Like it's definitely (laughs) going to improve further and further. But like the nonverbal communication stuff to be able to talk to people, to be able to see their, their face, their emotions and all that kind of stuff. Some of the closest relationships I have are mm-hmm. people uh, who live in hundreds of miles away from me that I only can interact with online in yeah. video calls, stuff like this. So I do think that there's a barrier right now. We're not there yet, but I also think of like uh, uh, there's a, there's a church. I don't know if you've heard of it. It's a virtual reality church. They do water baptisms where the pastor will like, there's a virtual reality stage on VR chat or whatever. Oh, and man. people will come up and like, there's like digital water or whatever. <sighs> now is, is it the same? No, I don't know. Really. That's would I count so that person strange. as baptized? <laughs> <laughs> that's probably man, for God to decide. That's so strange. You know, if, if the main, if the main goal is, you know, for baptism, it's, it's a symbolic effort, right? I'm right. I'm, Okay, and how much symbolism can be accomplished within a... And it's it's also built as a tool to communicate to the people around me, my close friends or whatever, that this is a stance I'm making, this is the team I'm on, I'm willing to do this, right? right? Yeah, so you're still having that sort of social social symbol. The thing is just, (laughs) so every every time you're... A fundamental feature of of the way things are are marketed and, and presented online, it just technology in general is that we tend to chop off the least useful 80% so we can focus on whatever we think is the distilled most important sure uh, features of whatever the activity or the media or the practice or whatever it is that we're, we're trying to engage with is right and that's that's what I'm afraid of it's just it, every time that we sort of try to zero in sort of permanently and, and sort of deeply buy into a model of a, of a, of a particular 20% of, a, of, an, of an idea or of a I mean, uh, this is why I wanted to talk about technology and church, because I think to the extent that we think we understand church and then we can sort of model it on with, you know, with the internet, with virtual reality, that, that's what's so scary to me is because we don't, I don't think we know exactly what church is. What, so what do you think we'll lose? <sighs> Part of it is that I don't want to have to answer that question totally. <laughs> I, I, wa- I, I know that I need to actually point to some yeah, things in order yeah. for there to have some weight to my concern here, but I, I sure. want to fundamentally, I mean, this is where I want to use language like the spirit of things because sure. I, I, that's part of the way I sort of, I would philosophically use the word spirit is to talk about the, the features and the aspects of, of, the, of the structural, functional organization of a thing that is beyond what you can sort of consciously perceive about the thing. 
Sure. So it's like, what what's the spirit of me? Well, it's like it's not it's not just you know that I have hands and they look like this and I have a face that looks like this and, and my general sure. speech patterns sound like this. We can sort of emulate all of that. And if we emulated it really right. good, does it approach being me and eventually it, it is me? Or is that emulation never actually me? I mean, this is this is the kind of sci-fi stories that we're we're telling right now because we're we're struggling with yeah, this sort of I question hear, of the I culture. But I I think so. Maybe this isn't a perfect ex- example, but I don't think anybody would argue that me listening to an MP3 of a worship song and feeling the spirit in my car is is not valid because that that my interaction with it came. I, as a I think you would probably get. Orthodox or Catholics argue, arguing with you about that because they would be <laughs> well, and, and that, and that, but that's one of the interesting things though that I'm that I'm beginning to because at this point I've I've kind of branched out and and have so many of these like this strange encounter with with Christian faith where like most of my conversations about faith aren't within the walls of my church because I, I don't have a church right now. This past year has just yeah. been like, okay, well, I'm continuing to try to engage and think about my faith and I'm going to do yeah. that online. And the, when you go on the internet, you just sprawl out and, and you have this, also the feature of sort of just being an autodidact. You don't have anybody sort of leading you in your learning. You just follow whatever's right. interesting. You follow the muse, right. right? And so I've just been you know following whatever theological rabbit trail I want to go down, and part of that sure. part of that scares me thinking about church in that context <laughs> right, because right. I don't know how much of an idiot I am. I might. <laughs> <laughs> well, I one hundred percent agree. With that. I hear you there. And so, but but I mean, so as, as I've been talking, all that to say, I've been, I've been talking to some different Catholic and, and Orthodox friends about other other ways of engaging with faith and and maybe more ancient ways, and and they have sure. a, a very you know deep place in their hearts. I mean. For, for the Catholic and for the Orthodox, it, this is like, it's really important that you do it in person. If it's not in person, it's not even church. Absolutely. And it's yeah, really absolutely. important that you do it with this ordained priest because, I mean, especially right. with the Orthodox, it's like they they have this sense of, and I'm not sure if this is, I'm not sure if it even matters, but to them they talk about it as if like, literally St. Peter ordained these guys who ordained these guys right. and there's a direct right. path all the way from mm-hmm. Christ Jesus himself all the way to these current right. people sort of in institutional power and that's like yeah. really important to them and it's like Absolutely. I, I've, I've been able to push back a little bit and say okay but I mean so you're saying that anything less than than drinking wine and eating bread in this sort of a building with these sort of, of symbols on the walls. Right. That's, that's not, not really communion or that's right. not really the Eucharist. Right. And he's like, well, mm-hmm. it's, it's Eucharistic. It's just not the height of what you're capable of. And, and that, that was a good place sure. to sort of land. And I'm, I'm hoping to sure. talk with that friend again soon. So <laughs> I, I, I'm appreciating that there's various levels, but I, I think that, yeah, I think there's something to that though, that like, okay, when, when we distill down to the most useful 20% of what we think communion or worship is, we get, somewhat of what we're sort of experimenting with in the Protestant realm of like, okay, well, worship is like music and okay, we're going to do a really good musical performance. And like right. with Hillsong and Bethel, we've been sort of experimenting with that and seeing, okay, so what what is it? Is it a really, I don't know, is it a really explosive emotional musical moment where you like emotionally lead people into this place? I mean, perhaps th- that's apparently it's making really mediocre, uninteresting music. <laughs> <laughs> which is that, yeah, which, which kind of, I mean, it's, it's easy to be cynical about this stuff. And I think, right. I, I think that's, I think it's good that it's, it's becoming easier to be cynical about it, but it's also scary because then it's like, okay, so you just throw it out and then you're like, what, done with yeah. faith. So right. I, I don't want to just do that. I, I think that even to the extent that we're sort of experimenting with these 
kind of new, fresh models. I think that's really interesting and important. I just, I'm, I don't know what we're missing when we do, when we make, sure. you know, when we make church liturgy, this, the same thing as what we're doing, you know, when we put on a concert, like, like, you know, with any other kind of pop band. Right. Right. Is it just another step away from th- that? And, and I, I hear what you're saying, because uh, I've read some reports about, especially among our generation, this big stir- move back towards more liturgical style churches, Catholic yeah. churches or anything like that. And I have heard about the, the problem, like I had a good friend of mine that uh, I met through Black Bar, one of the people that, that found us. Uh, he he is a media guy at a Anglican church and they shut down everything with, he was in Australia. Australia, that was like mandatory shutdown. Every like can't go outside of your house unless you're getting groceries shut down. Uh, but in the Anglican Church, in order for communion, which I believe they take every week, to be really communion, it must be blessed by a priest that day, right? So like, yeah, how how do you do that online? That doesn't that doesn't translate. I, I, don't, I don't have I mean, a good Amazon twenty four hour delivery. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking back no, to I Julian need, Smith's pre-blessed food video. Pre-blessed Remember that? Food. Yes, <laughs> you don't want absolutely. your food blessed by a white guy. We got food for you too. Right. We can get it blessed by a black right. man if you want. Yeah, I, I think, and you know, maybe there's some uh, 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 church techno-positive uh, activist that might disagree with me if there's such thing as church techno-positive activists. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think... This sort of thing, is, and this might be a cop-out, but it's an example of the importance of diversity in the church, capital C church. I don't think that there's anybody who would say that, I hope, that I I want all of the church to move to digital. And like I think that's the best way to do it. I don't think that's the best way to do it. I think it's a way to do it. That's what I'm fighting for. I think that this is a perfectly acceptable way to do church, that maybe there's a way to do, you know, we've been doing communion online for the past year. We just tell people to go get crackers and juice from their fridge, right? We're AG, so no alcohol. So it's always (laughs) right? (laughs) But, uh, you know. Depending on how long it's been in the fridge, though. Right, yeah, exactly. Uh, water baptism is a little bit trickier, but I, I, I think that there's, and you know, we're talking about the the ordinances and all that kind of stuff. But I think there's a lot of other parts to church uh, outside of the ordinances when it comes to fellowship, when it comes to discipleship, when it comes to evangelizing. I think all those can be done in a digital context. I don't think they should only be done there. I don't think that everybody needs to make that move. My grandma does not need to start a digital you know, ministry right, or something right. like that. But the fact that that's not a normal thing that people are doing that yet, right. that's concerning me. Since so much of our culture, whether we like it or not, is moving increasingly digital. Apparently, I read this set not that long ago, uh, something like uh, the average American spends six hours a day online. That's probably right? low. <laughs> yeah, I spend more than six hours yeah. online. I, my entire work is online. Then I come home and and play Destiny for another four hours. Right, yeah. so it's 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 my life is majority online. Uh, and if we're not there and making an impact there, I think we're missing a huge yeah. opportunity. I, I it's not I the totally only opportunity, but it is an opportunity. That that quells a lot of my concerns, actually, man. I, I, I think the fundamental Good. difference is <laughs> just is just whether or not we are are hoping, are planning to replace the the classical model, or or right. to sort of expand and say both in, and, and we want to sort of okay, 
Because I, I've been thinking, I don't know if this is maybe this is too too deep of a, of a weird internet cut. This is the problem with with the internet again is that you just like you never know if your algorithm is anywhere near the same as anybody else's. So you have no idea if right. the content you're about to talk about has any re- relation to the other person. But yep. I, I, I've been paying attention to this guy Jonathan Peugeot, and he is a, an orthodox yeah, we're icon. On different Harvard. algorithms, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so I have no but idea. What that he is. uses this this um, this image of. To, to talk about the church and to talk about things in general, but specifically, he originally talks about it in, in terms of the church, where it's like he kind of relates it to like a city, where there's a city center and it's like a, it's like a mountain. So there's there's a center, and then as you sprawl out, you get further and further out to, to the margins of the city, and at the margin, that's where sort of the monsters are at. And this whole picture is sort of an important picture of like a full, complete city. If you remove any bit of that structure, the city becomes dysfunctional even if you remove the monsters because he argues that the monsters sort of protect you from from the scarier monsters beyond sure right and so it's like you with it within those terms it's like that that's actually helped me to kind of have an, have an image to, to relate this whole relationship of thinking about the church capital c to use your word um right uh, so it's like okay so we have a central way uh, in which this sort of christian tradition is 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 practiced in, you know, I don't know where you want to point to that, but, and then as you get further out, you have more and more sort of experimental types of Christianity. And right. if, if you were to just say, no, we don't want to experiment at all. You've, you've removed, and I don't know, I, I'm not trying to be derogatory here, but you've removed the monsters that are protecting you from, from sure, the, the I horrible you. great beyond, right? Right. <laughs> you, you actually need to incorporate these experimental uh, models and and say okay we need to continue to make space for that and continue to engage anytime there's there's a there's sort of a blank blank spot in our sort of defense system or like the outer margins of who we are we need to fill right. that in and see okay how can we engage that that place right so I, I think I don't know does that more or less feel like what you're saying <laughs> yeah I hear you I think I also uh, you know I'm probably one of the monsters by your definition. <laughs> you know, hey, I, I, if you I, go on Netflix, monsters to are there. totally in right now. Everything's right. monsters, yeah, sexy definitely. beasts, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I, most I live. Oh, my dog's just hanging out. That whatever. Uh, I, I I love live. I love experimenting. I I probably said it in a handful of of Blackford videos. Like the only thing that I hold sacred is is scripture. And there's nothing that tells me that we need to start our services with announcements and do for songs and then you know do a communion and like that whole system is you know it's a system that's worked for a long while that doesn't mean it's the only system that will work and i'm ready i'm ready to chuck out everything if that means reaching somebody so maybe i'm a bigger monster than other people <laughs> by your well, you're, you're protecting but, you're protecting them though <laughs> <laughs> Definitely right, but I I think you know uh, th- there's certainly value in like and and it may not be where I lean towards, but holding on to the more tradition, holding on to because like because if we just go entirely my direction, who knows what's left of what was originally Christianity to begin with, right? right. Like we need somebody to be able to Again, hold. It's like who knows what we were missing like about one-on-one engagement? Sure. If we just made it, it totally right. you know video chats from now on. But I think, you know, as much as denominations in general have caused me extreme grief in my own, like, personal uh, spiritual walk and just understanding how God interacts with people, I think they're, like, vitally important to reaching different kinds of people. Yeah. I think that's that's really, if I if I had to look at from, like, the, the least cynical way that I possibly could. <laughs> right. Seems to be, like, the function of... of 
of denominations in a way and, and the function of different right. sort of churches. Right. They're just four different kinds of people to interact with the same Jesus. I, so the, and I, it feels like this would be a great place to wrap it up, but there's actually sure. two, two or three other things that like are going to take a long time to discuss that we, I think <laughs> I want to keep going. I, I got all day. Whatever if we got all day, then let's keep going. Because so <laughs> the, one of the problems with, you know, okay, you talk about, you want to sort of brand Christianity. Okay. This is, I'm already running into scary terms here, branding. Mm. Um, but <laughs> You want to you want to engage different kinds of people, and so that's and, and I think I agree that that's more or less the functionality of of different communities. But I I think the sure. key thing where where I think it gets to to be dangerous is well I I think I'm just noticing this progression towards online church becoming a even to the extent that it can be compared to the Patreon model. It's it's sort of selling content, and yeah. that's. I, I don't know what to do with <laughs> that like, it, it, because yeah. Christianity is not about, you know, is, and this, well, to me at least, is, is not about giving somebody a thing. It's not transactional. It's fundamentally relational, sure. right? Sure. So, but this is a problem that extends beyond church. I mean, this is just in general what yeah. we're doing with community right internet, now, right? But, yeah, I, I think that the trick is that, and it's kind of a give and take, but content is the the price of attention online, right? If you want people to listen to, you have to be saying something. You have to be doing something. So in the same way that the church is not necessarily about cleaning toilets, uh, a church also has to clean toilets, right? It has to clean, it has to take care of its own bathroom. That might not be the primary function. That might not be like the sole purpose of the church is to create content. But if creating content means getting people in the door, means opportunities for relationship, then sign me up. I'll, I'll create content all day long. What I don't think we need is people who really take a very shallow perspective at it and just become Christian content creators where they do nerf, but then they Christianity is just a target audience that you could be exactly (laughs) exactly. We're not going to do, you know, dirty, scary, hard rock. We're going to be like dirty, scary, hard rock, but with a Christian edge (laughs) and we're only going to play Christian festivals. right? Right. It's like, that's not what we want. We don't want just Christian alternatives. To, to everything right, right? which we what definitely we experimented with in, in the 90s to 2000s that was the, the pretty much a disaster. model yeah. is not what we're looking for here which right? surprisingly <laughs> I, I still like john cooper that's that's the main guy from skillet right yeah yeah, yeah. He seems like a, a still a surprisingly solid dude or like i mean and and skillet has lasted for a lot longer than i would have expected them to as well yes, yes. So, yeah so there's, there's, there's some weird success stories now. in that experiment yeah, most definitely. And with everything, it's a lesson. We learn good things, we learn bad things, everything, yeah. right? But I, I think content creation is, it, it's, sort of, it's like a, it's a part of what we just got to be able to do in the same way that I think like, maybe this is a, a weird analogy, but my church, it does really good worship. Like our, the actual music, the production and everything like that, we spend a lot of time, a lot of energy, a lot of money making sure that our music is really good. Uh, and I, I think I can honestly say we're probably the best in, in our area for that sort of thing. Is that the point? No, but it's a part of it. And it's one of the things that draws people in. How so, do you, how in do you case, push back against the, because I, I, I think that's, 
that's a really great philosophy to keep in mind of of every feature of the church. Is is that the point? Sure. No. How do you how do you stay centered and like not let that become the point? Have, have you guys? I don't know. How are you guys trying to do it? I I think honestly the the way that you do that is and maybe this tying back a little bit is that you don't make the point only certain people's job, right? Is like the point is yeah missionaries are super good right we should have missionaries we should be sending people over but the point of the great commission and everything like that is something that we all should be doing individually right so you know we can give to the church you know at my church or whatever we can give we can support the worship team or whatever all that kind of stuff uh but the point the aim of the church the goal of church is not something that only our worship pastor is doing it's not something that only our senior pastor is doing it's something that we're hopefully encouraging the body to do you know it's easier to send out two thousand bodies to two thousand places than have those people bring people to our church so uh yeah i think it's it's equipping and and empowering the individual to make a difference in their circle whether that be digital or physical well and so this is this is part of the thing that i'm I think we might, I mean, as far as pointing out some specific things we might miss about sure. like when, when we are, I mean, with the current experiment we're doing in the, in the Protestant realm, where church is becoming, and I, we're trying to push back against this, but, but it's becoming somewhat an event that you, you attend. Right? Yes. And definitely. to the extent that it becomes that, the whole analogy of, you know, being the body, and, and depending on what perspective theologically you're looking at it, it's not an analogy. Um, but, the idea of, of, you know, Christians, people who are Christians being the body of Christ totally falls apart because the body isn't something that just shows up and observes itself once a week, right? Right. Fundamentally, what a body even is, is the potential to do things. Like, right. especially from a, from a more ancient, uh, like, I, I think this is, Again, this is this is the kind of talking to my Orthodox friends about this stuff from, from their perspective. Sure. <laughs> like, there's a, there's a there's a lot of philosophical engagement with with that perspective, where like a body, and this is something that I've learned recently. So, sorry, I'm saying the same thing a couple of times here. You're good. <laughs> the a body is, I think, even from the perspective of the authors of most of the Bible, a body is the potentiality to do something. It's not the you know, the sure. cells that make up your hand or your arms or things like that. That's why you could say that, you know, people, Christians being the body of Christ, that's not an analogy. It's sure. literally the way in which God acts on earth is through through people engaging with his message and with his way. Sure. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with that at all. Um, and I, I think that's, in a way, that is how you do it. That's how you keep the the point Right. As we were talking about, that's how you keep it at the front. It's like, yeah, there's a lot of stuff we have to do, but the individuals, the people and all that kind of stuff are playing their part and having their piece in whatever the point is for their circle. But the larger. So this is just related to the numbers thing. This isn't specifically to do with the Internet, but the sure. Internet feeds into this because the larger the community that is sort of showing up for the event and, you know, we can try to push back from it being the event. The larger the group, though, of people that is being somewhere and doing the thing, the less personally engaged each person is. Sure. That's why the small groups became a thing, you know, right. 15 years ago. And everybody was, every church all of a sudden had small oh, groups. let's do this, yeah. That we were doing, right? Yeah, it's, it's working for them. Right. Uh, which, it's not a bad idea. I think 
it's it it's understandably it's obviously worked for a lot of people i've never been to a small group that wasn't terribly cringe personally uh, <laughs> so so why, why is it that they i mean because okay so obviously we've, we've we're agreeing here that small groups are fundamentally important for the church to actually function as a church sure right but why are they so freaking cringe okay so <laughs> i think so i have not been to anything that i would call a small group that that like the church would call a small group that i think is uh, uh, not freaking cringe, as we'd say. Uh, but uh, so when we, so when we started Black Bar, which is uh, uh, for anybody listening who's not familiar, it's a it's a ministry devoted to helping churches understand how to use media marketing tech to spread the gospel. Obviously related to what we're talking about today. Uh, but the the uh, when we started it, it was supposed to be that and all of a sudden using media to reach the world became vitally important around march of 2020 uh and when we started making videos on starting up live streams all that kind of stuff and we had a community for us it's uh, we use discord social media platform we started getting questions and that was the point of the discord to be able to answer questions to go deeper into stuff uh but it became overwhelming very quickly there were it started off with dozens, then it turned into hundreds of questions every single day of people. They needed desperate help and they needed it right now. And they had no idea what was going on. And the problem was I've never live streamed a church service in my entire life. That is not my gig. I draw pictures for a living. I do video, but not that kind of video. So this was, I was way out of my league. But what we, what we started to observe, which is really fascinating, is that there was two types of people that were coming to our, our discord. There were people that were desperately looking for help. And there were people that just liked church media marketing stuff. They had a background in that and they were offering help. Right. So they just started answering questions. Some people more accurately than others, but it, it turned into basically a forum where people were helping each other, generally answering questions, all that kind of stuff. And we found that uh, what was supposed to be just a general, like an innocent idea is like, okay, there are certain people that are giving really good advice. Let's find a way to designate those as like a trusted source of information. Right. So we came up with a role called certified pro role and we, we, picked people that were doing a really awesome job helping people. You're a certified pro now. Uh, so p- your name is yellow. So people, when they see, you know, you uh, respond to them, they know that it's accurate information, or whatever. And then we made a little private chat for the certified pros to talk to each other. I would say out of everything that happened of black bar that, that I can point to as that was success. That was an amazing idea was the private group channel for the certified pros which became accidentally a small group in a way. It was a bunch of nerds, it was Mm -hmm. church nerds, really, that all this similar interest, somewhat similar background, somewhat similar profession. And we, we were there for a common purpose, which was to help churches figure out how to do media, but also to pray with each other when something horrible happens in their life, right? And to talk about theological concepts that are tripping us up, right? right. And it's like, it, it served as this huge function of a small group where we're just a bunch of guys that happen to have the similar interest and we're talking with each other, we're praying with each other, we're sharing wins and losses uh, in, in, in ways that only the church media people would understand when right. the wrong verse goes up on the screen or something like that. <laughs> but I think the thing that made it not freaking cringe was the common objective, it was something that we were all good at, something that we we're all focused at, and it was our small group's point, right? It was our 
goal. That was our goal that we could achieve, that we could drive the kingdom forward. Mm-hmm. It was something that brought us back every single time. It wasn't just for the, the like, oh, what am I going to get from this every time? You right. know, which is a very master thing to, you know, it's like, no, you shouldn't be talking about what you, but what can you give? But it was us giving to a certain group of people. Yeah. Right. Well, even beyond I think, give, I think engage is a better word too. Because yeah, definitely, getting and giving is still still linking into this transactional sure. language where it's like okay, sure. it's about oh, I'm like, oh, don't get something, give something. It's like well, right. It's not that. It's 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 a relationship with people, and that's that's so much more real than than just exchange of capital. <laughs> Absolutely, and and we can talk about like when someone new joins the Discord and they have a certain kind of questions or the questions that they ask veer off of media into more church relationship stuff or burnout that they're suffering or something like that, we can strategize. We can talk about the best way to minister to that person. We've had some very serious conversations uh, where we've had to contact uh, people in like the Discord community's family or their churches and stuff like that uh, based on stuff that they talk about to us. And we're able to do that because that's what we love doing. We love helping because this is a community that we belong in, right? So So, this is something that... that manifested and fleshed itself out very organically very naturally absolutely yeah it, it was a goal right is it is it something that you think you can sort of force and just say okay we're gonna go start one of these or does it just happen sometimes i think you know i don't know because i've only done it once and it was accident <laughs> but i think if i were to try to do it again i think the way that you find people like that that are of like mind or whatever, you know, is to just start doing the job, mm-hmm. right? So I just like it wasn't my goal to set out to find a group of people like that, but it was my goal to help other churches figure out church media stuff. And other people that had similar interests were attracted to that, got sucked in, put through the system. And now all of a sudden we've got this awesome team of the world's best volunteers mm-hmm. uh, that just happens to be a small group at the same time. Uh, so I don't know if it's something that you can force, uh, but I think that if you start doing, like if, if I started actively, it ended up being only the one time and then uh, COVID happened when it comes to that Nerf ministry. So nothing actually ended up going on right, because right. everything got shut down. Um, but if that was something that I was actively doing and communicate, and it was clear that I was a Christian and going into Nerf groups and having these sorts of conversations, I imagine other people would start put like, hey, this is also a background layup. Maybe we could work together. It'd probably be passive, right? I don't think you could just, like there's a 10-step program to make it happen or anything like that. I think you just got to start working. Just start doing the job that God's called you to do. And the other people will show up if they're necessary. Maybe that's idealistic, but <laughs> it <laughs> no, works for me. <laughs> I, yeah, I think that's a good a good idealism to have. I, I think... I think it's, I don't know, I, I, I'm noticing, like, I, I'm thinking about, like, I don't know how I could just go about starting this or just making it happen, but I mean, sure. in my own life, I've had that sort of thing happen to some extent, and it just it usually ends up happening, you know, due to just common interests, you end up connecting with people, right? and and that's been great, and especially, I don't know, I, I just, I'm, I'm, I'm stuck in between wondering whether or not, yeah, whether or not, especially an institution is best to be responsible for that, because the, the Again, there's this sort of just disconnection of like the further away yeah. the, the people running the thing is from the actual people, the less sort of ability you are you have to sort of to engage what's actually happening in the group. It's it's kind of this give and take system because because 
if, if you're really successful in the ministry, eventually it does get bigger and it becomes an institution, right. whether you want it so to So what do you do then? So do you like, just intentionally break it in half? <laughs> I don't know. So like, I, I, I don't know how much you watch YouTube or, or like interested in what, like following, but I, I was and am a big PewDiePie fan. He's okay. the biggest YouTuber yeah. in the world, right? He's got 110 or whatever. I haven't watched him in a little while, but I subscribed to him when he was less than 100,000 subscribers. Wow. So, okay. so you're old, an early adopter. I'm an early adopter. I subscribe I with remember, him to help him fight T-Series. There you go. <laughs> we appreciate your service. <laughs> but the, the, I remember when he would like respond to comments and stuff in like, and like talk to people in chat and everything like that. And that's not something that I mean, with 110 million, that's not something that he has the capacity to do anymore. Right. It's unreasonable to expect that he can, he can have that sort of communication with most people. Uh, but like, does that mean that he is bad or that he's worse? I don't know. It's different. If I'm trying to get that actual like one-to-one relationship conversation, like he's probably not the guy anymore. Right, I probably need to go find another content creator to try to have that. But right. it's an evolution. Is it yeah. worse? I don't know. I, don't I, know. I, I guess I, I guess, thought about it enough. I guess that does happen somewhat naturally. I, even just what you just pointed out is that okay, as people get bigger, then okay, you you feel less less engaged by the community or less what's happening. It's like okay, so now I need to go and look for you. You sort of stop playing that game because it's not as meaningful to you anymore. Like it's like uh, right. this this that person can't have that role to me anymore. I guess that happens. That, that doesn't just happen on the internet. That happens just with people in general. Whenever it's just everywhere. But, Even like a small church of 20 that blows up to 2,000. Eh, you're not going to have as much face time with that pastor anymore. It's yeah. just not going to happen. It's those <laughs> I- intermediary moments, though, of like growing to a church of 2,000 that that like has to kind of break apart and reform and break apart and reform. And there's, there's, sure. there's always sort of, I don't know the word I'm looking for, you know, in, in, in war where you kill people, but they weren't the ones you were trying to kill. <laughs> Uh, war crime? No, <laughs> casualties. <laughs> casualties. There's always casualties of yeah, of, of growing growth. pains. Growing okay, mm-hmm. growing pains. That's an even even tamer way of saying. <laughs> Maybe le- less murdery <laughs> way. <laughs> well, I mean, but I, I I wanted to use somewhat heavy language because that is a really. I hear it, you. it kind of sucks when that happens, and I'm just I'm I, I was Word. putting myself in that position for a second and thinking, what do you do? And I, I I don't I don't know if there totally is a solution to that. It's just okay when things grow, they change and and stuff falls off stuff falls apart and i don't know you gotta try to and roll with the punches a bit yeah my my pastor puts it i think really well uh he he talks about how when it comes to change and growing and whatever within any community that people don't fear change they fear loss right Mm -hmm. they fear like they're gonna lose something right and you have to as he puts it as a leader disappoint people at a rate that they can comprehend Hmm. right you have to make change. You have to continue to make change, but you have to do so at a pace. Right, where they, they, can they can grieve understand. the loss without being over exactly. like, tanked by it. Exactly, because otherwise they're going to lose. They're going to leave. They're going to you know die off of the group. Right. But if you can do it steadily and gradually, then and keep the why in front of everybody. So here's here's the big question for me, and this is something I've been kind of. I, I'm kind of somewhat switching gears here, but the, or maybe just jumping sure. back a, a level in, in this conversation because we were, we were talking about how, you know, how small groups are potentially the solution to the problem of of growing congregations, growing communities, and less engagement from the top. Okay, so then we just we break it into smaller bits, and then people can still have a personal engagement. That's sure. great, but are we on the same page that 
thinking that that's sort of more the heart of what you know what it means to be um, practicing the religion of Christianity, like that. Like th- this is the thing that, that that I was kind of frustrated with all throughout sort of Bible college as I started like learning about learning about the church and just sort of having the sudden sudden self awareness of oh we can actually think about what the church is doing and what the model is and and change it if right. we want to and right. then we could ask wait, some questions about this right exactly it was suddenly just oh okay I can think about this stuff yeah. and as yeah. I the, the biggest thing that caught for me and I'm I don't know I I think this is some people uh, I'm not alone here in thinking that okay that seems to be more what Christianity is about. And everybody sort of does this. They, everybody fi- finds something that they're really excited about. Oh, this is what the church should really be about. Right. Where, and and I, I don't, I don't know. To some extent, I can't avoid that. I don't, this is just something that appeared to be meaningful to me. And I, I don't know how deep it goes. Like, are, do you, do you think that that's actually more what the church ought to be doing? And if so, how can we sort of flip, flip our emphasis? Because right now the emphasis is so much on the event and the, you know, and the conversion experience and the missionary, like these things that I've, you know, maybe too cynically been talking about, but this is, this seems to be the emphasis of what, of what evangelical, especially assemblies of God type Christianity is aimed at. For better or worse. Yeah. I, I think, I think it's relatively obvious that that's an important thing for you because you've you've made a habit now out of recording the style of the conversations. <laughs> that it's really important to what you see as the church. Right. And I don't disagree with you personally. I think that these sorts of conversations that I have with a lot of close friends of mine, both saved and not, uh, are, are like where I get the most meaningful, where I feel closest uh, to having like a spiritual experience in a lot of ways. When I'm having these questions, when I, and I, I've asked, heck of a lot of questions and a lot of questions that uh, I probably shouldn't have <laughs> throughout my, throughout my life. So I 100% hear you there as to how we. Well, here, how, here's, how here's, a, here's a potential. Let me, let me pitch you something and I want to see if you can maybe sure. talk back the, the, the technicalities of what, what would happen here. So like I had thought, sure. okay, so the experience of doing like a, a concert type event, like a really well-produced, like let's play some really great music and have some really talented sure. people sing it and then have, have a really, you know, talented artist speak, like a, a speech artist, a preacher, right? Sure, yeah. So yeah. we want to do all those things really, really well. But if that shouldn't be sort of the center of, if that's supposed to be sort of the mountaintop experience that gets us through the, not not even that gets us through, but that sort of that, the rest that set, of the week. <laughs> well, that that sets our sights so that we have something to kind of frame the rest of our lives around. Then, and and we want to sort of continue to practice church, continue to practice the religion of Christianity. On on, and, and when I'm talking about religion, some some people are, are frustrated by that word. Some people just to say, oh, okay, I want to be re- spiritual but not religious. I like the idea of religion. I think religion, it, 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 to me, it, when I'm using the word religion, I'm just talking about structure. Talking sure. about on this day we do this and we do it with these approximate rules, this approximate sure. format, right? So as far as how to continue to, to have a function of Christianity in in community, I if we want to sort of reverse the emphasis or flip the emphasis and, and focus more on community integration and living as Christians, what if we did a concert once every month or once every two months and to- focused a lot of our energy and resources and attention on the small group model. <laughs> I, I have a, a very close friend of mine, uh, Diamond D'Ampert. I grew up with her. Uh, she is starting a church in uh, downtown Detroit, uh, and they're only having services once every three weeks. 
uh, and the rest of it is small groups, more or less. They have a different, a couple different I kinds. I want to of talk to her. <laughs> you should talk to her. She would be an incredible person to have on here. Um, uh, very like thought leader, absolutely hugely influential in my life and many others. Uh, but I absolutely believe that that. I think in a lot of ways, so the way that I've thought about it before, I don't think I've ever actually said this. I definitely have said it, not on any black bar stuff. But when I think about the the mountaintop experience, the Sunday morning thing, uh, are, are you familiar with the, the phrase chasing the dragon? No, but that sounds yeah. exciting so, to me. Explain. So, yeah, well, it's, it probably shouldn't be super exciting. But uh, it's the idea that I think, I believe with, with meth users, the idea is that okay. you you try meth for the first time, and it's this. I didn't know this is where we were going. <laughs> right? Yeah, this mind blowing experience or whatever. It's this huge deal, right. and and you want like do it again. So you try it again, and it's not quite as great. It's not as awesome as the first time you experience. So you have to take a little bit more, right? And you have to take a little bit more. And in order to continue having that experience, you have to take a little bit more. And there comes a point where the dealer doesn't have any more and you have to find somebody else to give you a little bit more. Right. And I, I, I heard about that phrase and I, I couldn't help but to make this correlation with, with what, what you've been describing as the mountaintop experience, the Sunday morning experience of this chasing the dragon of this emotional you know, spiritual moment that happens yeah. every Sunday. And if it, if it doesn't, if it doesn't quite hit for me on one Sunday, then that's going to affect the rest of my week. Right? right. If it doesn't hit for me for a whole six months, maybe my dealer doesn't have any good stuff and I got to right. go find somebody else right now. And where that, that actual idol, that, that mountaintop experience has become an idol in and of itself. Right. right? Uh, and I don't disagree with you at all. I, I, personally and probably my own stuff I got to work out there. There's a few times where I feel less connected to God these days than in a typical Sunday morning service. Uh, I just, that's not how I do it. That's not personally, that's not, mm. that's not for me. Um, again, like we were talking before, I don't think it'll entirely go away. It'll always be there to an extent. How do we flip it? How do we flip the switch? Um, I think we stop looking to the church for, uh, like the churches. Can, can, can we I'll parse out a, a difference between between like church. the church as as people being Christians sure. and the church as an institution, like as yeah. a, as a business? Like, and I'm not trying to. Okay, I, no, I, I both of those have it's negative connotations. Precise. Like, it's but a, churches are businesses, and and they have to sort of keep running on this level. Right. And then there's also people going to the church, which is also within a That's theological right. framework, the church. Yeah, I I think that we stop looking at the maybe we'll say capital C churches institutions okay. as uh, our sole and primary way of interacting with our faith and our God. Right. And I think if we do find ways to make it more relational, uh, if we do find ways to really, and maybe this is the key, maybe this is the thing that people haven't figured out yet uh, to find other Christians and interact with them independently yeah. uh, to create those small groups environment or whatever. Um, and, you know, it, the institution of churches are pretty handy for finding other Christians, right? So, so maybe it's a bit of give and take there. Um, but not looking at the, maybe the Sunday morning experience and that whole thing being the primary well, way. You even, I, I didn't even realize the statistic was the case, but you, I, I watched your the video that even kind of sparked this whole idea to, to go and, and chat with you again about this, I, this concept specifically again, which was you 
I think it's maybe still your most recent video that's out. May not be when when this conversation comes out. Sure, but sure. Uh, I forget what the title is of it. But you, in the video, you you said that the average person who goes to church, average average Protestant Christian um, in America in 2017, only went to church once every five, four to six weeks. Four to six weeks. Once every four to six yeah, weeks, so they're in the if, building. If, if that's the way Christians, I mean, if, if we've sort of done the experiment, we see, okay, this is about how meaningful this experience is to me. This is how much I want to do it. Right. Why are we not just like tapping into, okay, that's the new model. We do it every four to six weeks. And then the rest of, we have all these resources and all these people that are devoted to, to this, to doing this. Even we have a business to, to empower people to sit there and just spend their time thinking about how to better engage Christians and better engage the church people. Sure. Why not take all that resources and do it? (laughs) Absolutely. I think maybe a a, a terrifying, albeit a bit cynical way to look at this, right? Um, So churches, uh, when we're marketing stuff, uh, uh, again, as a slimy lizard marketing, (laughs) uh, (laughs) we're we're marketing products just like anybody anybody else, any business, right? A lot of business will exchange products and services for money. Mm -hmm. We exchange services literally for time. <laughs> right? right. <laughs> you you pay a certain amount of time, maybe money, depending on how connected you are to the church or whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, you pay a certain amount of time to actually show up, right? Yeah. And by that statistic that we're looking at, only what 20 to 15% of the time Christians believe that attending a church on Sunday morning is worth the time to show up, right? Right. That there are so many other things that they could be spending that time on that they consciously or unconsciously deem as more valuable. And I think it's like most of the experience of going to church at this point in, especially in the assemblies of God, I mean, I could speak to this mostly because that was that was most of my Christian experience going to church was assemblies of sure. God. Most of that experience is something that can be bottled up and packaged as content and streamed online. Sure. And it's like, uh, okay, yeah, so I'm not really missing much if I just do it online. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, and I, it's And it's a lot of trouble that to go to that, church. Yeah, it, it totally is. Absolutely. I don't even have ready. any kids and it's still a pain in the butt to get, to get ready. Yeah. And it's worth oh, man, noting that stat kid. is from 2017. Yeah. There's no way that got any better when everybody had to sit, sit home for a year. Yeah. No way that got any better. Yeah. So the way that I look at this, and this, you know, going back to the techno positive person I am, if they're not showing up to the building, hmm. you know, for, you know, three to five weeks at a time, uh, then we have to find a different way to connect with them. Because although I would agree with you that maybe we should be viewing the the mountaintop experience, the Sunday morning experience as maybe a more occasional thing, I don't think that we should just say that that's good enough, right? That we should not be interacting with people. We should, as as individual Christians, that now church is now just something I do once a month. Like, I don't think that fixes the problem. I think we need to find a different way to engage with. And I think maybe it's it's a small group model. I don't know. The other problem is I can tell you this as a marketing person who have tried. It's really hard to get people in small groups. It's the hardest thing I have to market every single year is small groups. The, The return rate is incredibly low. I mean, the Discord thing might, I'm I'm interested to see the experiments with that model for, for, right. 
and and it's interesting. Okay, now now I'm going to be optimistic for a second because as far as sure. <laughs> as far as disc as far as social media and social um, I don't know social platforms. I guess that's the yeah. category I'm looking for. As far as social platforms go, Discord seems to be the most concerned with actually a community engaging with itself. Absolutely. Like I don't I don't see Facebook or Twitter or YouTube any no. of them being even remotely as concerned about that as Discord is. And so many things about Discord have have addressed some of the key issues that I have with with like so I mean what are the problems with like um you, you look at a lot of different YouTube video chat streams and it's like it's just right. a blazing fest of uh, <laughs> right. emojis and and yeah, swear yeah, words yeah. and uh, right. just a bunch of people really angry at each other or really mad at each other for being mad at the, at the content creator. It's just it's disgusting. Right. It's it's not it's nowhere. It just looks like a mob. It's not community, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. And so, Discord. For one thing, they, they limit it down to okay. So there's there's individual Discord communities you can join, and then from there there's individual mm -hmm. chat rooms, and then from there, depending on how sort of popular the chat room is, how many people are trying to talk there, you engage slow mode, and then people. Oh, right. okay. Well, now I I only have this long of a turn, and my turn could be whenever I want it to be, but I don't I. I don't get to post again for another 10 minutes. So I better right. make this count and I better be good. thoughtful and I better listen to somebody Absolutely. else and I better, better give people reason to want to listen to what I have to say and not just right. be, you know, flame warring. Yeah, I, I sincerely believe that if Discord wasn't called Discord, 10 times as many churches would use it. Because <laughs> it does seem like purpose built for fellowship just yeah. like 24 7 who can you don't need to have a, even yeah. a, a time to meet with a small group anymore yeah. you can just be connected all the time interacting in yeah. whatever way uh and i think it's an excellent way for a church body or any community to be just 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 grow together that's it, literally i'm we, like we should I just, think doing just lift the job. discord they're, model and we'll just make a new app called harmony <laughs> I, I I would bet anything that in like two to three years it's not called Discord anymore. Yeah, I, I was going to say that they're probably going to rebrand because I noticed even over the pandemic they started sort of marketing to schools and school communities, yep. which I think exactly. again is great. I think there's a lot of deep yep. problems with the way that we do school as well that I think that Discord is doing a lot better than. <laughs> Absolutely, I, I think it, it's funny because it's it was originally built as just like a a dumb Game like way for yeah. video gamers to, to just talk to each other while yeah. we're playing World of Warcraft or whatever. Yeah. But it it is grown and uh, like like the, the community that we built that's on, on Black Bar because I wouldn't have expected gets... gamers to be the ones that understood community better than <laughs> I don't know. Well. I think the gamers were probably the first community to want and actively seek purely digital online relationships uh, as hmm. actively as they needed to, right? That's interesting. Like, like, I mean, I know even for myself, there were plenty of people that I knew growing up that I only knew their username, right? That yeah. I only yeah. talked to them, interacted with them when I needed a raid partner or raid, raid buddies or something like that, yeah. right? So... Uh, yeah, I, I think that they had they needed to solve the problem before anybody else did, and now all of a sudden everybody's realizing that hey, this is a pretty good fix. It's just a stupid name that is going to be a pain in my side until they fix it. When it comes to churches, at least, I think it's fine, but I get why. I think churches... it sounds cool, and that was that's yeah. probably why it's called Discord. It's because it sounds cool, right. <laughs> right? For video for games, yeah, for gamers, it's perfect, right up the alley. But <laughs> they'll probably need to change it at some point. Okay, I mean, I feel like we could sit here and, and, and 
flesh out some more details for for quite a bit longer. But sure, I, I don't want to take up too much too much of your life. I, I, I do actually want to return to this and, and, and keep chatting, but I think this is probably totally. as, as good a place as any to, to kind of slow things down. But dude, thank you so much for sure. taking a couple hours out of your day to talk with me about this stuff. I'm interested to see where your church community goes. I'm interested to see where my life takes me, how I, how I figure out ending <laughs> up being able to, to sort of re-engage faith. But this has been good to talk about, man. <laughs> Yeah, this is my favorite thing to talk about. So anytime <laughs> you would like to talk about it, I am happy to. I, I live for these conversations. So I really appreciate the opportunity to, to talk. Hopefully this sparks some conversation with the people to listen to this and, and they have some thoughts and hopefully we can get some some cool ideas going. I think I, mean, I think some of the ideas we talked about were cool. <laughs> well, yeah, more ideas, more thoughts. More. We need more monsters on the edge of the exactly. field, right? <laughs> Subscribe, be a monster today. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Well, that was interesting. If you enjoyed this conversation, consider sharing it with someone else you think might find it interesting. Even better, try to find someone you think might disagree with something here and take some time to listen to their perspective. Try to have a meaningful, good-faith conversation. Practice listening deeply and patiently, and speaking clearly and precisely. I think if we can get better at this, we might actually change the world. Anyway, thanks for listening. I'll catch you next time. <laughs>